Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, and they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But among them were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number became believers and turned to the Lord. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for an entire year they associated with the church and taught a great many people, and it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. This is the word of the Lord. Now, please stand and hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. This next reading is John 15, 12 to 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my faith. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. As we stand, shall we pray? Loving God, would you send us now, we pray, the help of your Holy Spirit so that each one of us is able to receive the word which you speak to us in Jesus our Lord. Amen. Do be seated. Um, So I am an absolute sports nut and that means that uh, one of my very favourite moments in the annual cycle is the second Sunday of Advent when the BBC broadcasts its Sports Personality of the Year Award. And in that program, um, which I watch um, obsessively every year, um, in that program, one of my favourite moments uh, is when they make their Unknown Hero Award. And it always turns out to be an unassuming, often actually quite elderly volunteer who has over decades invested hours and hours and hours and hours of time in the nurturing of young lives. And almost every year, they're really embarrassed to be the centre of attention. You can see them squirming uh, at being made to stand in front of the camera when really they'd they'd rather just get their heads down um, and be behind the scenes. And um, that reminds me of Barnabas, who was named in the first of our two Bible readings, which is really the one I want to explore with you for 
um, the next 10 minutes or so. And I'm going to make that connection, why the Unsung Hero Award reminds me of Barnabas, um, right at the end. But, but did you notice that the last line in that um, Bible reading from Acts chapter 11, um, the last line in verse 26 said, it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Um, almost certainly, you know, that was an insult. It was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Um, but we've, um, we've become proud of that word. And um, I want to suggest to you that here is a passage which drives home just how similar our experience of being Christians today is to the experience of those early disciples whose story we heard a few moments ago. So this is a story about a community of followers of Jesus in the very first months after the crucifixion and resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus. And I, I want to suggest to you that although this story was written 2,000 years ago, plus a bit, and 2,000 miles away, plus a bit, we can find a likeness between their experience and ours. And I want to trace the likeness by homing in on the five times in these verses when the Lord is mentioned. So I want to begin in the middle, and then I want to go back towards the beginning, and then I'm going to comb in um, on Barnabas and uh, the end. So in the middle, um, this is how the conversion of early disciples of Jesus um, is described. A great number became believers and turned to the Lord. Later, a great many people were brought to the Lord. They became believers and turned to the Lord. They were brought to the Lord. That is what it meant back then to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to suggest to you, it is absolutely no different today. And most of you will be able to own that language in your own experience. You'll know that you became a believer. And very often for us, there's a before and an after and a moment when we become a believer. I know that many here may not be able to pinpoint that moment. You may want to say to me, actually, Bishop Pete, I can't remember a time when I wasn't a follower of the Lord Jesus. But you'll still be able to say, yeah, but I have become a believer. That's some, that is an experience that I have entered into. I became a believer. Actually, to become a believer involves faith. Turning to the Lord, I'm absolutely sure that everybody here who considers themselves a follower of the Lord Jesus will be able to say, yeah, I have turned to the Lord. Because turning to the Lord, the, the, the root of our word repentance is about turning. Faith and repentance. Believing and turning to the Lord. That is the heart of what it means for any one of us to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. And um, we're told many people were brought to the Lord. Um, very often, uh, we can also signal the activity of somebody else in helping us to find our way to faith and repentance and to turning to our Lord Jesus. We were brought by them. Um, many of us find that somebody was praying for us for years, and their prayers brought us to the Lord. So how does it happen? How can it be, this is my second point, how can it be, that many 
people, a great number, became believers and turned to the Lord. How can it be that a great many people were brought to the Lord? Um, You stand in an extraordinary tradition in being among those who become believers and turn to the Lord. And I want you to know that a great many people are having this experience in the Diocese of Sheffield now. Um, This is the sixth service of baptism and or confirmation I've had the privilege of conducting since Easter to say nothing of my colleague Bishop Sophie, the Bishop of Doncaster. And in the six services of baptism and confirmation I have conducted since Easter, on four occasions, the number of candidates was in double figures. Many people, a great many people, are becoming believers and are turning to the Lord. How can it be? Well, it requires two things. This is the two earliest references to the Lord. They come in verses 20 and 21. The first says this. Among them were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. Um, That means the non-Jews, the the Greek-speaking people. Spoke to the Hellenists, also proclaiming the Lord Jesus. It, It is necessary, if people are to become believers and to turn to the Lord. It is necessary for the gospel of Jesus to be proclaimed. It is necessary that there are those sufficiently bold to proclaim Jesus. I love the fact that we're not told very much about who those men were. Um, It doesn't say that they were senior disciples. Um, Actually, I'm even willing to bet that although it says men, the word is being used in a loose and generous and gender non-specific way uh, to mean people, I'd be willing to bet that there are women also doing some proclaiming of the Lord Jesus, invisible as they were in that culture at that time. Um, it doesn't say that they had been Christians for many years and so were qualified by their maturity to do the job of proclaiming the Lord Jesus. In fact, they couldn't possibly have been long-standing followers of the Lord Jesus because we're talking about something that happened within weeks of Jesus' death and resurrection. They were themselves new Christians and new Christians are often among those most effective in proclaiming the Lord Jesus. Um, Mark is among those who has been urging me and others in the diocese to remember and to honour the ministry of the evangelist. Um, All of us have a part to play in bearing witness to our faith. Uh, But God raises up in our company some who are especially gifted at proclaiming the good news. And we should cherish their gifts when we find them. But it is not enough. So the first of the earliest two references is that one. To those men who, coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. How we need those who will proclaim the Lord Jesus. It's not enough. The The next sentence says, the hand of the Lord was with them. Don't you love that? Jesus himself was at work. Without the work of Jesus himself, the proclaiming of the name of Jesus will be fruitless. But many became believers because the hand of the Lord, Jesus himself, the power of the Holy Spirit through the disciples was at work. Um, I know you will, especially those, I heard in the testimonies uh, I was hearing before the service began, I heard a lot about the house party. 
um, 30 or so young people aged, I don't know, 11 to 16, 17, 18, I'm guessing, um, went, went away. And it was clearly a powerful, formative time. And, and I know that you will want to pay tribute to, to Cam and Roland and, and others uh, for the influence that they have had on the formation of your faith, those of you who are candidates from um, Eccles Hall. But the really important thing is the work of God's Holy Spirit in your life. The really important thing is that the hand of the Lord has been at work in your life. That just leaves one, uh, one final reference to the Lord because um, it is not enough to become a follower. It is not enough to, to convert to Jesus. Those of us who um, are called to be followers of Jesus are called to a lifelong commitment of daily growth to maturity in Christ. So I, I love this reference to, um, uh, to Barnabas. Um, Barnabas is sent for um, by, um, he's sent from um, the church in Jerusalem to see what's going on in Antioch uh, because the conversion of Hellenists was um, a bit controversial. Uh, when he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. Um, uh, candidates, this is my prayer for you uh, that a year from now, um, 10 years from now, 40 years from now, you will still be full on firing for the Lord Jesus. That you will be faithful to the Lord Jesus and full of steadfast devotion. Um, faithful. Uh, we talk about um, married partners being faithful. That's a high bar. And we talk about friends being faithful. Oh, I've got such a faithful friend. We talk about dogs being faithful. You don't qualify for the word faithful until you've built up a bit of history. You need to be at it for a long time before your discipleship can be called faithful. Um, and full of steadfast devotion. Um, I am a devoted football fan. In that context, devoted means I'm a one-club man. Newcastle United, if you have to know. I couldn't be a devoted football fan and spray my favours about. Uh, to be a devoted follower of Jesus means he's my one and only. Uh, he is my first and foremost. He's front and centre in my life. My prayer for you is that a year from now, 10 years from now, 40 years from now, you will be faithful and full of steadfast devotion to the Lord Jesus. Um, as it happens, my own confirmation was in 1974. That means next year it will be 50 years ago. So I thank God that through five decades he has sustained me in following the Lord Jesus to enable me to be faithful and full of steadfast devotion. And I stand here, and there are others in the building who could say the same, as evidence for you that faithful, steadfast devotion to the Lord Jesus over decades is a possibility, and it's the reality to which you're called. So finally, this line about Barnabas. So, so Barnabas exhorts these new believers to be faithful. He says, you've got to take the long-term view. Barnabas is saying to these followers in Antioch, a year from now, 10 years from now, 40 years from now, stay faithful to the Lord Jesus, full of steadfast devotion. But he doesn't just exhort them. You see, he's seen a need 
So he's exhorted them. But he doesn't leave it there. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was for an entire year they associated with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. So, so Barnabas is looking at this new set of believers, full of promise, but also quite vulnerable, quite precarious in their newfound faith. He urges them to be faithful. And then he scratches his head and thinks, what, what? and he scurries off to find Saul because he thinks what these people really need is a really effective and able Bible teacher who can invest in them. So he goes and gets Saul and brings him. He sees a group of people with a need. He sees an individual with a gift. He matches them together and then he steps back and lets Saul get on with the business of investing in those young lives. That's why I think of Barnabas as an unsung hero. Barnabas, classic case of a Christian who sees a group of young lives, wants to invest in them, finds a way of bringing that investment to bear and then prefers, thank you very much, if I get out of the limelight and out of the way. Um, friends, we exhort you to be faithful and to serve the Lord in steadfast devotion and we long for you to find a soul who will invest in your lives with Bible teaching that will help you to mature as followers of Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.